0: Let's pray. God, I pray this morning with the words of my mouth and would collectively the meditation of our hearts this morning, Lord, would they, would they bring glory and honor to you today, and would they be pleasing in your sight, Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series on The Path, and today's title is Your Heart Matters. And I I would imagine that most everybody in here would go, of course, yeah, heart matters. Of course, your heart matters. And I was trying to think, I'm like, who actually would disagree with your heart matters and makes a difference? And I I came up with one, I think, who would disagree uh, with that, and it's this character. You might remember uh, him, the You Look Marvelous guy, way back from the 80s and Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's better to look good, remember, than to feel good. And I tell you, I love that character because I think he incorporates a, a lot of followers of Jesus. A lot of people just show up at church. I, I think that is uh, the model for a lot of people. It's just better to look good than, than to feel good or even to be good. And there are a lot of people who just want to put on a mask and pretend that everything is Okay. And that there's nothing wrong at all. And it's much more important for everybody to look like I've got everything going on than to actually have everything going on. And so we want to speak into that a little bit today as we go through this service. Because I realize that this is not just a new problem either, by the way. The prophet Isaiah talked about this when he foretold. He said, you people honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And 600 years later, Jesus would point back to Isaiah and say the exact same thing. This is true of this generation, that you people, you're honoring me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And unfortunately, I think that's still true today because we think it's much more important to look good than to really feel good or to be good. And so we want to dive into that today, and I'm remindful I'm of a, another old song, and uh, it was a pastor uh, named Branning uh, who had this wonderful quote that I, I've never forgotten. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but then walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And what is that? except people, I want to look good. I might not be good, but I, I want to look good. And so we want to dig into uh, the heart because our path matters. And what we're passing on to the next generation matters. And so we want to get this right. And so that's the purpose of this path. That's the purpose of the Connected Home Center and, and the Faith Path packets that we have available for you because we don't want anybody to miss out. And so we want to open up to Proverbs chapter 3, and let's take a look at what King Solomon uh, is writing here. And he says, my son, because he had a son too. And he said, my son, don't forget my teaching. And I imagine this is one of those moments as, as a parent where I'm just not talking because I'm a parent and you need to listen to me and I have all this wisdom and you don't, that this is one of those moments that I'm passing on to you not just words or not just things that I've been thinking about. These are life truths that I want you to build your life on, son, And so don't miss out on this moment. And so engage with me. Look into my eyes and get a hold of this. And what does he say? Keep my commandments in your heart. Not in your mind. In in your heart. And this was their way of describing everything you are revolves around your heart. And so make sure that you're not just memorizing some things for the sake of memorizing some things. Make sure you don't just know the right answer, but be the right answer. Live the right answer. So, my son, don't forget these things. And if you know the story of Solomon, it didn't end well for Solomon. And frankly, I would imagine most of us here could talk about ways it didn't go well with us either. That maybe we had wayward kids that went off the deep end. Or maybe we go back in our own history and go, oh yeah, there were times I really rebelled against God and I wasn't really interested in connecting with Him at all and I just wanted to do my own thing and I was off doing my own thing. And all of us probably have those stories that didn't go so well. And we're going to unpack Solomon's story a little bit so we can learn from him and say, I want to make sure that I don't live my life that way because I'm guessing that none of you woke up this morning And said, you know what I'd really like to do? I'd like to royally mess up my life today. That's my goal for today. I want to mess it up so bad that it's almost unredeemable and unrecognizable, that I'm an embarrassment to my family and to my friends. I just want to make my life a colossal failure, failure. Nobody wakes up that way at all. But yet it happens. And why does it happen? Because you just take little steps in that direction. And so what do we want to do? And this is the purpose of our path. And so we talked about the very first week. And if you weren't here, go back on our Facebook or our YouTube channel and look at Pastor Tim's message. Because I love the way he described this so simplistically. That it is your direction. Right? The direction makes all the difference in the world. It's not your desire. Your direction, not your desire, determines your destination. Because you can want the best things in the world for you. But it doesn't matter what you want, it's matter what direction you're heading. And I tell you, when we're on the path at some point, we're going to stumble and we're going to fall and we're going to make mistakes. And I love what Pastor Jed did last week about talking about sometimes we, we just need to have a course correction. And so, what do we do in a course correction? Well, we need to hear some people who are speaking into us, and so we know we're off course. Because I tell you, the danger is so often, and as I was sitting where you were last week listening to Pastor Jett, one of the things I wrote down on my notes to make sure that I would communicate this week, I said, I want to make sure we're choosing wisely who we're listening to. Because you can always find somebody who will tell you what you're doing is okay, or it's the right thing to do, or it's not a big deal. You can always find somebody to agree with you. You're not looking for somebody to agree with you. You're looking for somebody who's Right? And hopefully we're listening to Jesus, and so who you're putting yourself around is incredibly important. So what I want to do is give you, I think, three, the three biggest mistakes I've seen people make as they walk along this path, and what does it mean um, to sort of change direction. So mistake number one is telling someone the truth is enough. That's really all I've got to do. I've just got to tell them the truth, and that's enough. And frankly, this is one of the reasons I don't like sermons so much. Because I would much prefer sitting down over lunch or just sitting down over a cup of coffee and sitting down and talking with you about faith. Let me hear what God is doing in your life, what you're wrestling with. You can hear what God is doing in my life, what I'm wrestling with. And I think that's much more mutually beneficial to have a conversation, a back and forth, a dialogue. (laughs) Because this is just a monologue. And I tell you, there's a part of that, and I know it's tradition in our church and we do it this way, but I, I pray all the time. I'm like, God, I know it's a monologue. And a monologue often doesn't do as much good as a dialogue does, but somehow, would you let these words of mine transform the way we're living, that we can become more and more like Jesus? Telling somebody the truth is not enough. Solomon knew the truth. When King Solomon became king, God said, Solomon, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I I want wisdom so I can lead these people well as their king. And God says, well, that was really wise, Solomon. Because you asked for wisdom and not anything else, like riches and fame. I'm going to give you all those things as well. And so Solomon had all the wisdom in the world, but it didn't turn out really well with him. Take a look at 1 Kings chapter 11. Let's see what happened to Solomon. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. He followed the Asherah, the goddess of the Sodomites, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Solomon, you knew the truth. You were told the truth. You communicated the truth to your son. What happened? Steered off the course, and no one was there to help give him a course correction. Well, how about a son? How did it turn out for his son? Because he talked about his son in in verse 1 of chapter 3. What happened to his son? Well, his son's name was Rehoboam, and we can read more about him in 1 Kings chapter 12. I'll summarize the story for you. He became king. And so the group of leaders from all the different tribes came and and said, we will gladly follow you, Rehoboam, as we did your dad, King Solomon. But we just ask one thing of you, would you just lighten the yoke on our shoulders because we are giving too much, we are working too much, we are serving too much. If you just take a little bit of that off, we will gladly follow you and be a united kingdom around you. And he says, i tell you what, give me three days. I'm not going to answer you now. Give me some three days so I can think and reflect on this. And so he goes to the elders, some of his dad's counsel, and he gave them what was said to him. And he said, I think what they're saying is good, and I think this is wise. I think you should take some of the yoke off them because then they will gladly follow you. And what better thing can you have as a king than people who are willingly following you? But he didn't really like that answer, so he went to some of his friends And he said, "Uh, you know, here's the dilemma. What should I do? And he said, oh, they thought your dad was hard? You need to be harder. And you need to put more of a yoke on them. And you need to oppress them even more. And so he comes back and gives them an answer after three days. He said, you thought my dad was hard? I'm going to be harder than he was. And he ruthlessly went after them. And they said, well, that's fine. (laughs) Now we're a divided kingdom. And from that point forward, they never would have a united kingdom again. Rehoboam didn't wake up that day. And inside, I want to just destroy my life, and I want to destroy the kingdom. But heart matters, and the direction that he was heading matters, and it matters for you today as well. This is why I think it's so important for us to be able to communicate weaknesses to one another because it's so easy to communicate truth, and we hold up truth in in, in such a way that, oh, yeah, that's wonderful, but we look at it like I could never be that way. It's sort of like Superman. Like, oh, Superman. Yeah, isn't Superman great? Yeah, I can't relate to Superman. He's from another planet. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't get Superman. I can't relate to Superman. And I wonder how many followers of Jesus are living their lives like Superman, and nobody can relate to him. Like, I can't relate to you not having a failure and having a mistake. My daughter asked me such a great question. She, I love how God uses her in such powerful ways, <laughs> driving to school, and uh, or conversing, and, and then she sort of took a U-turn in our conversation. She asked me a question. She goes, Dad, you ever doubt God? And I, I'm thinking, man, what a great question. And I knew this because I'd already put together the message, and I'd been thinking about the message and praying about the message. And, and I thought, you know, this is one of those moments I, I could do sort of what my first inclination was to do is like, well, you know, of, of course not. Of course I trust God completely, honey. Of course, you know, I'm a pastor. Of course. that's what... And you make yourself look good in that moment. But I'm really glad like I didn't listen to that first thought, and I went with the second thought. I'm like, I want my daughter to be able to rate to me as somebody who has struggled in their faith. And so I told her a story. I said, I remember when I was your age, and I was sitting in church, old traditional German Lutheran church of 100 years old, big as stained glass in the front, and I remember sitting there in the church service, and I'm looking up at Jesus. He was the middle stained glass window with his arms down like this, and I remember looking at that and going, Jesus, if you're there and you're real, would you just wink wave, you know, do a little finger, do any movement at all so I know you're there. And I, I stared at that the whole service and nothing, never moved. And I said, I was so frustrated by that. But I said, you know what, over the years, God has gotten a hold of me and he's showed himself to me in just many miraculous ways. And so, yes, I've doubted. And, and I still doubt. We do that all the time. That's a natural thing. How about we just pray that God reveals himself to you in, in a way that's just for you, that you'll know he's there and he's real. Uh, Man, I want to live that way, and I I want all of us to live in that way where we're not holding ourselves up like supermen. (laughs) We're just broken vessels, (laughs) and and so I I don't want to just live in a way that we just communicate truth. (laughs) I want to live in such a way that, man, I've struggled with this, and here's how I've struggled with that and encourage each other that way. Mistake number two, (laughs) knowledge makes you wise. Um, Knowledge doesn't make you wise. Applied knowledge. makes you wise. You can have all the information in the world in your brain. Uh, we've got Google at our fingertips. It doesn't mean you're wise. It's what you do with all of that information that makes you wise at that point. This is where, and I try to do this too often uh, just to throw out words, but I, I love the Hebrew word for wisdom. It's hokma. I mean, it's just a great sounding word, hokma, And I love the word because it incorporates so many things that we just don't have in English. And I'll skip all of that for the sake of time. And the last point on there, hokma includes the ability to put knowledge into practice. In other words, they had this understanding that you're not wise unless you take that information and do something with it. This is, I think, again, a lesson we can all learn. Because all of us come from broken families. We all have mistakes in our past that we just love to hide and forget about. I remember when I was growing up, we were going to a funeral. It was my first funeral. That's where I remember it as a kid, and it was for a distant cousin. We didn't really spend much time, didn't really know them that well, but we went as a family and we traveling. And So what happened, Mom? And she goes, oh, and he was just a young 20-something-year-old uh, man. And they said, oh, well, he was uh, going to work in the morning, and he started his car in the garage, and he heard the phone ring. And then he ran inside, answered the phone, talked for a little while, and went back into the garage. And because he didn't open up the garage door, all the fumes were in there, and he was overtaken by the carbon monoxide and, and died right there on the floor. Oh, okay. And so years later, I'm in college, and I'm taking a psychology class, and we have to do, uh, you know, a whole big family tree, you know, extended family tree, and you write down all the issues that you know about in your family. And, And my family was one of those, we didn't talk a lot about the family secrets you know, it's just like, everything's fine, everything's great. And, and, and so I'm going through, and I'm like, okay, I had to cross that one out because he died early. And then I'm like, I don't let me go back. And so I'm talking to mom. I'm like, mom, can you tell me, like, what, what happened uh, again with that? Because I'm sort of remember the story, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me now as I'm older thinking about this for the first time since I was seven. And she goes, oh, yeah, he committed suicide. I'm like, y- you didn't tell me that. She goes, well, what did I tell you? And I told her the story. I just told, no, I didn't tell you that. Like, no, I, I know exactly, I remember every detail of that story. I know that's exactly what you told me. Oh, no. I'm like, well, I, well, I probably, like, just glossed over it because I didn't want to scare you or worry you, your little boy. And I'm like, well, when were you going to tell me? <laughs> and, and what other secrets don't I know about, Mom? I got this chart now. Let's just get them all out on the table because I'd like to know at this point what other family skeletons are in the closet that I, I don't know about. And, and so we began to go through our, our family. And she goes, well, you know, your, your dad's dad was an alcoholic. And, and that you know, I've told some of you that story before as well. So, boy, okay, let's write that down in the family tree and, and learn all of these nuances of that. I'm like, man, why, why do we hide that stuff? Unless we bring that into the open and talk about those kind of things, we don't have any chokmah. We don't have any wisdom if we don't take our experiences from the past and apply some truth to that and, and learn from those things. That's important to do. This is why I think James, the brother of Jesus, understood this and why he wrote in James chapter 1, I love these words, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And I thought, man, that is so true of so many people. They just come in, oh yeah, that was a good message, and walk right out. Don't just listen to the word, do what it says. Like it was unfathomable for James, the brother of Jesus, to say, here you have God's word and you just listen to it. Why would you just listen to it? Why would you not do what it says? Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that's a whole different sermon. I love that. Perfect law that gives freedom. That's what God wants to do, set us free. And continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do." It's applied knowledge that makes you wise. Stake number three, and I think this permeates the church more than anything, I know it all. I know it all. I know the point you're going to make. I've heard that story before. I can write fill-in-the-blank before you even put it up on the thing. I know what you're going to say. I've heard that before. And we fall into that trap of, yeah, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. And I tell you, it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm sort of thankful that God gave me a little bit of an insecure spirit. <laughs> that, because that has really driven me, I, I think, to continue to study and learn. And I can remember when I was 13, I was going through our confirmation program at our church, and we had a three year long program. So we went through and memorized all kinds of scripture and had, had a wonderful experience. But I remember some of the kids and talking, not in front of the pastor, but out in the hallway afterward. And we're getting close to that day of confirmation. And that's, that's a day after long training that you stand up and you take personal responsibility for your faith. That I'm not coming to church because my parents are making me. I, I want to be in the church because I want to follow Jesus. And I'm going to decide in my heart that I'm setting my part and I'm going to follow Him. That's what I want to do. And so we're getting ready for that moment, and some of my friends are talking about, ah, I'm just so thankful. And I share this in the Step 1 class, for those of you who've been through it. I apologize. But go through, that, um, go through that scenario, and they're like, I can't wait to be done with confirmation because then I'm done learning. I never have to memorize anything. I don't have to learn anything more. And I remember in my 13-year-old little brain, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I know everything about God yet. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm done yet, and God was planting that seed early in my life that I'm still not done, and I still need things I I need to learn, and I still have things that I want to grow at. And I tell you, looking back on that now, I am so thankful that I didn't stop with a 13-year-old faith, that I didn't have to go through life with a 13-year-old faith, because boy, when my dad passed away when I was 26, I'm glad I had a 26-year-old faith and not a 13-year-old faith. I'm not sure I would have made it through that. Man, when I went through depression, I'm so thankful I didn't have a 13-year-old faith, that I had like a 30-year-old faith, and I was getting through that. My mom diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I'm glad now I've got a 50-year-old faith to deal with that and not a 13-year-old faith. And we got to get past this. I know it all. I know it all. God still has work to do in, in each one of us. So I love Proverbs. Going back to Proverbs again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not with all your mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Oh, I know it all already. No, don't lean on what you know already. (laughs) You don't know it all yet. God has still work he wants to do in you. And and the more we can live in a way that we just communicate weaknesses to one another, what a benefit that's going to be. I was talking this morning with one of our prayer partners, and and he was saying, you know what, I'm so glad you shared part of your story with me, because he said, so often I felt like I was was the only one who ever really doubted God or heard these voices like you're not good enough, and he said, I'm so thankful that you shared that with me. And I said, man, I, almost every single Sunday morning, Sunday morning is the loneliest time in the world for me. I get up early. I typically wake up way before 5 o'clock, and I usually get out of bed at least by 5 o'clock if I haven't done so already. And, and so my wife's asleep, my daughter's asleep, the dog and cat are asleep, everybody's asleep, it's dark outside, and, and instantly, like, my feet hit the floor, and I start hearing voices like, ah, you know, you're not good enough. No, you didn't really work on the message long enough. Oh, you know, nobody really wants to listen to you anymore. I don't think you're effective. And, and I hear those, and I have to just stop and, like, get behind me, Satan, I'm not listening to you. That is not who I am. But there's that weakness in me all the time. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're a pastor. You've got it all together. No, I don't. I don't have it all together. I'll never have it all together. That's a beautiful thing about following Jesus. I don't have to have it all together. And so I want to leave you with something today as we walk along this path together. How can you live in, in such a way that sets you free? So I, I want to use uh, this psalm, and I, I love the psalms, as many of you know. Uh, psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. It's the I knit you together in your mother's womb psalm. And the very last two verses are these. Um, David cries out, search me, King David. Search me, God, and know my heart. Well, that's a scary prayer. God, search me. <laughs> know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God already knows them. What he's praying is, God, show these to me. Search my heart, tell me what's going on in there, because I, I don't want to deceive myself and be falling off the path. Test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me, boy, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me on that path, God. So how can I do that? I just want to practically share with you, uh, you know, three things in closing that uh, have really helped me uh, tremendously. And the first one is just living in a way that says, uh, and maybe just every day, start your day with this: I'm forgiven. That's who I am. I am forgiven. Man, Jesus died on a cross for me. Man, all my mistakes, all my past, all my failures, everything has already been paid for. I don't have to go around my life paying for my forgiveness anymore. When Jesus died and he rose again, that is the seal. No longer do I have to offer a sacrifice for my sin. I am forgiven. And so when I have to hear voices like you're not good enough, no, I know I'm not good enough. I don't have to be good enough because I'm forgiven. <laughs> I never have to worry about working my way to God because God worked his way to me and God called me to be his very own and I'm forgiven and I'm going to live my life this way. And so the world doesn't get to dictate the way I want to, oh, you fell off the path too many times. That's all right. Everybody falls off the path. I'm forgiven. I'm going to get back and follow him. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm forgiven. The second one is I'm free. That's a great reminder, and I'm free. I, I think far too many people um, go through life saying they love Jesus and they know Jesus forgives them for their sins, but but they go around and they they put a scarlet letter on their chest and they carry this around for their life. Yeah, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I did. And you've got to walk around with shame. I'm not sure why followers of Jesus feel like they've got to walk around in shame. Man, God has set you free from that. You don't have to carry around a, a scarlet letter anymore. God says, no, I've set you free from that. That might have been what you did, but that's not who you are. That might be your past. That might be part of your story, but that is not who you are. You've been freed from that. And I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm free from that. I don't have to carry that around anymore. And then the last one, I'm, I'm his. And I love this. I am his. On November the 4th, 1968, um, I was baptized in that stained glass church <laughs> that my mom was baptized in. And I love that promise of my baptism. I, I don't remember it because I was five weeks old at that time. so I don't remember it. But there are pictures of me. And I got a certificate that day. And my parents, oh, yeah, I remember that day you were baptized. My godparents, I remember that day you were there. But what I absolutely love about that is this was a moment that God said, John, you're mine. (laughs) I don't care what the world says about you. I say, you belong to me. When you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I was making a promise to you that, John, you are mine forever and ever. You never have to doubt that. You never have to wonder if I am with you and I am for you. You can run away from home if you want to, John. You can run away from me if you want to, John, but that doesn't change the fact that I am your heavenly Father and I still love you dearly. I am His. I am forgiven. I am free. I am His. I can't think of a better way to start a day than to pull out that psalm, search me, oh God. (laughs) Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. Lord, I, I wanna follow you. God wants to set you free today and maybe there's some of you here that are doubting I I could be forgiven. I've fallen off the path too many times. I've never been on the path. I'm not sure I know where the path even is. I'm not even sure I know how to follow Jesus. Start with this I know I'm forgiven. (laughs) Jesus died for me and he rose. I am forgiven. I have been set free. That today is a new beginning. It doesn't matter what my past was. What matters is right now. And right now my heart says, God, because you have poured your spirit into my heart, my heart is saying I want to follow you, Jesus. And, And I know because of the promise that you made to me in my baptism says I am his. And if you're not baptized here today and you'd like to be, boy, talk to us and let us know. We would love for you to have that promise and that assurance that God is with you and God is for you. That's not just a symbol of a church. It's not just something we do because they've always done it. We believe that God actively makes a covenant with us in our baptism. So we want to help you to connect with Jesus and to connect with others uh, because we want to change the world, and the world desperately needs to be changed.